A very good evening to all and a warm welcome to this uh, another session with in, in our series on altars and what you need to know about them. Now let's get into our session of testimonies. Yes, who would like to go first and give glory to the Lord? Praise the Lord, brother. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the powerful teachings on these evil altars and the way the Holy Spirit has linked the teachings with the praying morning praying in tongues and as well as uh, the daily reflections, especially to uproot certain evil altars, has been so powerful. Thank you so much, Holy Spirit. All praise and glory to you, Jesus. And um, my testimony is about my child who had been trying to book a manual driver's test for a while as there's a high demand. And um, so we agreed by Matthew eighteen nineteen that a slot is available. And praise the Lord, he was soon able to secure a booking. Thank you, Jesus. And um, before the test, we declared Job twenty two twenty eight that brother, brother Russell had shared, you will decide on a matter and it will be established for you and light will shine on your ways. As well as Psalm ninety seventeen, may the sweetness of the Lord be upon us to confirm the work we have done, which Brother Savi actually mentioned last week. And um, as it was, he actually then didn't make it. But we still gave thanks to Jesus for this learning opportunity. And we bless the officer and all at the department with the mind and wisdom of Jesus Christ. In his mighty name, amen. Amen. And uh, we kept a, a good attitude, knowing that the process entailed patience and belief. And this week, he had another booking. And the Holy Spirit amazingly linked the morning praying in tongues with the daily reflections, especially on uprooting specific evil altars, and particularly the one on stagnation by Brother Savio. And I declared by Matthew 18, 18, I bind you, evil spirit of stagnation, in the name of Jesus, and I cast you out from your very root and put you under the feet of Jesus by Hebrews 10, 13 where he's now waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. And also at the morning mass, as Sister Shanina had explained on Sunday, I placed this intention to Jesus together with Mother Mary and St. Anthony as it was his feast day that day. And praise the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. My child achieved his license. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much, Jesus, for this learning opportunity with a practical example of thanksgiving and taking authority over evil altars. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for all these powerful teachings. And thank you, Sister Jane, for the summaries. Very insightful. And thank you, brothers. Thank you so much for the Holy Spirit-inspired teachings. So powerful. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, who else would like to share their testimony? Oh, um, Brother Russell, I'd like to um, thank and um, give praise and thanks to our Lord who always um, gives us our peace and joy in our hearts. Um, even though uh, this week, this last few weeks, been busy at work, um, I had to start early and stuff like that. So I miss uh, 
a few of my sessions and morning encounters, but I like to every now and then um, play this uh, record, play the recordings and stuff when I come back. And uh, but I like to uh, still thank him, the Lord, because His presence always there with us all the time. Is yes. the Lord is our faithful God always keeps the His covenant, and we're very thankful and blessed with that. And that's where we all come. That's where we all desire to also to be to um, hear His voice all the time, and just also um, just uh, say and confess boldly just. Uh, quite frequently throughout the day. So it also gives me uh, uh, peace of mind and keeps my mind um, in a uh, nice and calm and focused. And I like to uh, thank all the, the ministering spirits in here and here on earth, both in here on earth in the spirit realm for uh, guiding us and keeping us out of harm. And I like to, uh, thank you also for your morning encounters also that uh, trans uh, also uh, that goes through throughout our day that covers us and also I like to say to in my, in my own time you know that I thank the Lord and for the Holy Spirit prayer group for their uh, for hearing their prayers for us and also cover all our with, in them return with their families and um, extended families and friends to cover all of their their uh, families and every member with their precious blood of Jesus all around and they and anoint their every word that comes out of the mouth with, with his precious blood and I think the Lord that he has that we can hear his voice, you know, like it says there, my sheep in my voice, and I know them and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life and they shall not perish. And no man shall be able to pluck them out from my hands. And my father who gave them is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out from my father's hands. I am my father one. So we're very blessed and I like to thank the Lord that you know us always there for each other and uh, he's got his eye upon us instructing and guiding us every single day and night Amen. wherever we go wherever we do and I thank them for our for our friends and all the people from all around that share the good news of the gospel and he and I know that he's doing a wonderful work in our lives even for some members even for my family some some of them I they may not be uh, very strong in them word but um, I, I thank the Lord that each of these like the testimonies of brother, brother Salvio and his teachings I like to share with every member I know that they sort of is planting a seed some in their life where in turn they will turn to him somehow when they're at the low point they know who, who to um, turn to in the future I know it's got that all under our care. I thank you, everyone, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, and the Bishop and Prayer Group, for this, for this tremendous blessing anointing over my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise Lord, brother. Yeah, this is Lord. Uh, Jenny. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Abba Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I thank you and praise you, Lord, 
thank you for this beautiful day thank you for the gift of life thank you lord for all your mercies and your graces that you renew each morning for us our father in a very special way i thank you for the for the wondrous miracles that we've seen in our lives in the recent past uh, brother rasul i'd like to uh, share last week my dad was uh, uh, you know very serious we were at our native place at uh, this place called savanwadi which is in maharashtra uh, and uh, you know he uh, was there because of uh, you know, he uh, did a blessing of the house which was an ancestral house and uh, uh my dad uh you know because the heat you know the temperatures here are really really high so my dad was uh, you know uh, under uh, uh i mean he exerted himself a lot because of the heat in the house and that caused a lot of breathing issues for him and uh, uh because of which uh, one day early morning i got a call from my mother and uh, she said you know that you know we have to rush him to the hospital because he is having some breathing issues and uh, Uh, as i mean i was just staying in a hotel ne- nearby near the ancestral house so i just rushed to the home and uh, you know we took my dad to the hospital now the journey from the hospital to the home was around uh, uh, around 10 minutes and uh, by god's grace we had my cousin who could drive we had my brother's car just parked near the near the door so it was all like as if everything was ready god had you know made a way for us even before we could uh, ask for him for any help and uh, this is a uh, this is a very remote place uh, this is a very remote place in maharashtra and you know getting a private hospital here is something that one could only wish for but by god's grace we were able to get a hospital a private hospital with emergency facilities uh, and you know uh, we, we we got him admitted and immediately he was rushed to the icu and he was on ventilator for uh, the first day and uh, as we were traveling i just want to highlight that when we were traveling between the home to uh, the hospital i was constantly you know speaking scriptures over my dad uh, my dad was breathing very 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 heavily uh, you know literally i could i could feel his chest going up and down up and down he was gasping he was like struggling to take a breath and i just told him i said dad don't worry we are we are all here with you mother mary is here with you, with you and i said you just believe you just believe in whatever i am saying and i kept saying thank you jesus by your stripes and by your words my daddy i kept saying thank you lord you send your word and you healed my dad thank you holy spirit that you are breathing in my dad right now i kept saying this i kept saying this loudly loudly and i also said the hail marys i prayed uh, you know the, the hail marys and i could feel that awesome presence of mother mary uh, you know in that car it was only three of us me my dad and my cousin brother and uh, that experience really lifted up you know uh, me in the spirit because uh, it was like i i had nobody at that time just me and my faith you know and i had to exercise my faith at that time and uh, in my in my older self i would have this cried brother or i would have panicked i would have you know i would have just gone uh, numb you know but i i was like like a warrior you know i said you've attacked my family now you see you know how i attack basically use the scriptures to you know attack you and i went all over 
the place with the scriptures confessing it boldly confessing it even when people were around not bothering who's looking at me what is happening and by god's grace brother my dad was uh, you know out of hospital on sunday so this happened on tuesday and on sunday he was uh, discharged from the hospital so each day his condition improved and i kept laying my hands on him and rebuking the spirit of breathlessness rebuking the spirit of whatever the names of those uh, conditions maybe that the doctor said i kept rebuking every spirit and i claimed the healing and i told my dad you are absolutely fine nothing to worry we cancel every negative report that the doctor says and we only believe in what the word of god says and praise god my dad was out and he's back home in mumbai uh, and you know he uh, is is absolutely fine and he's healed and his health is restored i want to praise and thank god for this beautiful and this marvelous miracle which i witnessed last week praise you jesus thank you jesus praise god thank you jesus thank you lord for that renewal of mind and the fortitude to hold on firm and not let go of faith thank you jesus that when we hold on to that faith you do not fail to deliver he who promised is faithful thank you lord yes who else would like to share what the lord is doing in their lives anyone would like to share about how the teachings have blessed now here was a direct example of how she applied what she has learned through you know all the bible study that she may have done as part of this group or anywhere else and it doesn't matter where you get it what's important is how you apply it and the faith that you then uh, put into it bible says he has given us the measure of faith each one it is up to us to exercise it or keep it in the showcase those are keep it in the showcase it remains a showpiece when you put it to use it becomes a tool in your hand and that tool can used to be carved out to carve out whatever you want to move in your destiny you can make things move around thank you jesus yes who else would like to share their testimony russell i'd just like to give praise and thanks to the lord um i had a family member whose car was stolen about 4 or 5 weeks ago yep Um, even though the the police found it the next day um the insurance company kept it in their yard and um we just praise god that it came back today even though the number plates have been stolen and the link tags scripts were stolen keys were stolen we give glory to you lord and father god in the name of jesus i command the angels to go and find what was stolen and and bring it back to its rightful owner I give glory and praise to God for every grace and blessing for this prayer group and I and I thank the Lord for the powerful teachings on the evil altars they have been so helpful so powerful and so yes. good even for sharing to others um yes. and and it is it's made such a big difference in people's lives knowing what they're up against and how to deal with that that yes. is just fabulous and I just like to give glory to god for for using me in a spiritual field hospital everyone in our prayer group is in a spiritual field hospital yes we are the doctors and nurses to to people around us whether it be a word of wisdom a word of knowledge whether it's a prayer a scripture we are in that field hospital and i just have to give glory to the lord for every member of this prayer group just for you know just the powerful prayer warriors and people like yourself who teach teach us 
so that we can go out and spread the word of God and just let people know the power they've got in their mouth when they speak and the word of God. So, Lord, we thank you for the air we breathe, the food we eat, and every grace and blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. All that glory belongs to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, his spirit, the spirit of Jesus. It is all through his movement. When he hovers over anything that is void and formless like he did the earth, it is given life, it is given shape, it is given form, it is made beautiful. And he does that with each of our lives. So praise God. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are doing in this prayer group. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to thank and praise the Lord for so many blessings, for especially mighty favor resting upon us this week. And it's been so beautiful. I want to thank and praise the Lord for all the mercies and miracles. And uh, I have also noticed that when there is somebody who's coming to uh, to us for prayer and we share the scriptures, we ourselves are blessed. Yes. So, and also when I feel that I'm getting overwhelmed, I listen to that, I confess boldly. And I try to repeat the words as the video is going on and I have felt so much blessing, so much deliverance. So thank you, Jesus, for the word which sets us free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, praise God. It's every time you uh, speak those words of I confess boldly, you might recall at the start of every session, we herald the power in that word by using Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. That's exactly what you are doing. You are heralding what that word can do when you speak it with faith. So it goes there and it waits for you. And then it checks whether the condition is met. And when that condition is met, then it must be fulfilled. Uh, praise the Lord, Brother Russell. Uh, praise I God. I to give my testimony. Yes, go ahead. Last Sunday uh, at night, I was returning from uh, a game and on my bike. And I was uh, with one uh, lady with her child. And it just rained before that. I reached her safely to the station. And while coming, I skid on the bike. And uh, it was 11.30 at night. But yet, few of the boys came immediately. They picked me up because uh, I really did not know where I landed. And uh, when I got up, there were slight uh, scratches on my elbow. Uh, I just got up and I was wondering how it fell. But uh, miraculously, by God's grace, nothing happened to me. Even the bike that fell, the silencer didn't touch my leg. I was just thanking and praising God at that moment. Those boys were wondering what I was doing. And uh, they were like, you know, calming me down, telling me, no, don't take the bike again. Home. I said, I will have to go home. So I slowly rode the bike back home. Nothing happened. But that whole incident has shown me how much God loves me and how much he cares for me, how much yes. he wants me. Uh, to you know even thank him I mean that was a very uh, um, I mean that was a grave accident because I could feel that you know in, internally I, I could feel the pain but in that also I could feel and understand that the Lord saved me from a bigger disaster 
so i want to thank and praise the lord from the depth of my heart i was actually from last sunday onwards in my parish too i have been testifying with the youth so that they also know how much god loves each one of us i thank and i praise god for this wonderful blessing praise god also thank i want you, to uh, thank the lord uh, brother russell today morning yeah. i could attend i was not getting sleep so i said i'll wait back and i'll attend the morning session and uh, as it is i could not i can't attend because of my job at the early morning but i attended the session and i had a vision of a campfire and white flowers and i couldn't understand the meaning of that and so i wrote to brother vivek and you know he gave me an interpretation of that because most of my dreams and visions i i do share with brother vivek and he helps me around the campfire he said is a presence of the holy spirit and the white small flowers falling around is the glory of god his presence and i believe that the lord's wow. presence is with me every moment every moment i have been trying to you know um, hold on to the lord and thank him uh, whatever it is whether it's the smallest things because i have realized that i cannot do anything without him so i am making an effort consciously subconsciously unconsciously you know to thank him for the smallest things uh, and i do not know how but the lord is wonderfully blessing me i thank and i praise god for this praise god thank you jesus yes you also like to share that testimony this is jane here brother yes go ahead sister i want to thank lord for the week gone by brother last week was a little challenging week for me with the daily with the basic little spiritual battles brother daily so uh, but i was able to go on peacefully with, with even in the midst of the spiritual battles i really thank the lord for the powerful teachings going on brother we are praying with the prayers i i believe that all the evil altars have been shut down and uh, um, i recalled i had a dream two months back brother with the i had a dream it was a big wall a big wall broken down by a bulldozer i couldn't wow. understand at the time yes brother but uh, i couldn't understand but the something it was to me something is broken but i didn't know what was broken but now when i relate would do the altars i clearly confirm that all the evil altars that have been in my bloodline ancestral bloodline or set up by all in my family have been broken down completely praise god that's powerful and this week uh, as i was separating with i don't know why the the, the holy spirit was bringing me ezekiel 37 with the altars but i i was not able to really reflect fully on it but uh, he was joining ezekiel 37 with the altars teaching and uh, yes. i couldn't hear it ezekiel 37 uh, one of one of the main things is the altars only if the altars get down shut down only the ezekiel 37 come to life yes once Yeah, once you tear down the altars, it's important for you yes. to build up your own, and then for you to speak creation for this yes. for whatever was whatever the bones represent that structure in your life or whatever was destroyed, you have to speak it back into life, because the altars are what kept them paused, stagnated, cornered, blocked out. So now you are unblocking it, and when the door is open once again, 
you need to get that moving and reconnected with your destiny. That's what speaking is there. Prophetically, essentially, Ezekiel 37 is prophetically speaking over whatever was stopped, stagnated, delayed, shut down, all of that. You restart it, you unblock it, and you get it moving again. So go deeper really into awesome. it and ask him what else does he want you to do there. It's he's he's leading you in in deeper yes. into the spirit. Yes, brother. Yes, ask was, him to reveal. Joined, okay, brother. I was joining the dots between Ezekiel and the altars. They are, it is even it is a it's a deep depth teaching, brother. I think it is. It is. It is. Further. It is. And I believe that that dream that you had about the wall being bulldozed as yes. well that was the the first dot in this series that you are joining together. Start from there. Yes. Yes, Look at them all That's together. The he will show you what the context is. Yes. Praise God. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Sharing teaching and sharing the prayers with everyone. They are, I heard from them also that uh, those prayers are very powerful. Brother. Oh, praise God. Thank you, brother. He's doing a new thing. We feel yes. that movement every single day. He, he's doing a new thing. Isaiah 43, 18. That's powerful. Yes, Praise God. God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I would brother. like to share their testimonies. Yes, go ahead, brother. Yeah, so just thank and praise God for this wonderful teaching on altars. And it's uh, so marvelous to learn how God is using, you know, these teachings to change and enforce things in our life. I know this altars, as I, as I understood it the first time when you shared this with us, is how it is basically a system of authorization and we all come under that system. Uh, which we are not aware of. And many of us get into wrong relationships because we are under an altar of a spiritual you know, agreement that's already in place and we don't even know that it could be an altar of sin and iniquity that is there. And many yes. times we try coming out of it and we fall back into it because we do not know that there's already an authorization and we are part of that authorization. And that's the reason why... Uh, Someone has, you know, we fall under it and many people go back into the same sin again and again and again. And uh, it took me a lot that the Holy Spirit taught me to, uh, you know, Isaiah 10, 27, uh, to actually realize that uh, it is only uh, through the spirit that we can destroy the yoke of the enemy. Yes. And altars just opened up things that I realized that, you know, there are familiar spirits that operate uh, in the kingdom and the marine spirits. And so it's it's so important for us to realize that the Lord himself is the only author and finisher of our faith and destiny. We can't do anything without him. Yes. So as, as uh, uh, Sister Jane shared that, you know, that the dream that she had of the wall, the Lord clearly told me that the bulldozer was the word of God. And, you know, the word that she speaks over the wall is her situations or those evil um, past that is coming. I could only see a familiar spirit or any kind of familiar altars that are there are being destroyed through the spoken word that she confesses over the situations. And it is Ezekiel 37 is nothing but an authorization where the Lord clear details Ezekiel to speak over a dry bone. It is an impossible situation. And that's exactly yes. what the Lord just gave me right now when I was listening to it. And I thank and praise God for that uh, revelation. Praise God. Yes, praise God. And uh, yeah, so really this uh, system of altars has to be understood by most of us in our prayer group that we we need to go deeper and understand that there is a system which is already in place 
and the altar of poverty never allows us to go beyond our earning capacity it always puts us down because there's an evil out of poverty that is already been there and we are established under it and we always never can go out of it unless we destroy that altar so these yes. altars are so important that uh, we start building our own altar by creation the spoken word is the creation and once we create we have created that altar and i'm sure today's teaching will be an eye opener for so many people to realize how they can build their own altar and dwell under it uh, under that blessing and that blessing will help them to come into that life which jesus gave us the life of liberty and also the lord taught me one thing and i i would share this one thing with all of us is that unless and until you believe hebrews 11:6 unless you know that when you go to father to pray always remember he's a father who only would accept faith yes so if you walk there and you say father please help me you're not operating in faith when you walk in the holy of holies first of all you've got an entry ticket because of the blood of the lamb the moment you walk into the holy of holies you have no right to say father please help me but you have a right to say father i know you've already heard me and i know that when i made this prayer i depend on you just like a child and i'll keep depending on you but i know lord you heard me and i thank and praise you for hearing me and i operate in faith because god only loves faith he does not love anything else unless you walk in with faith and believe that your prayer is answered you have no right to doubt because you can't first of all get an entry there in the holy of holies the fact that you you have moved just because of jesus it means that we have to operate in faith and that's what the lord taught me and remember as as we also learned during the teachings without authorizing god to act on your behalf he will not even move anything he just looks but he will not act so yes, we have yes. to authorize him to do everything for us in our life and i guess we should all remember that so just don't say god why aren't you doing anything can't you see lord i authorize you in the name of jesus to act on my behalf in this situation and i surrender to you yes and that's yes. when he takes over and starts acting so these are many things that the lord put in my heart i just thought i'll share it thank and praise you lord for a wonderful week gone by for brother russell for brother savio for his powerful reflections uh for sister shanin and her powerful ministry of praise and worship uh sister janela for the powerful rosary uh, a ministry that yes. so many others thank are you, part of i mean i'm so blessed to be part of this prayer group where i can sh- where god uses me and uh, you know i'm i'm just blessed i can only say that it's it's all for his glory nothing of me i have no power i tell everyone i don't have any power it's just the lord using me and he uses all of us and we all have the word in our mouth we speak it and ordain our own destinies based on what we speak in jesus name i pray amen thank amen. you brother amen amen thank you brother thank you jesus yes the authority that brother was just talking about but the savior has actually covered that in in real depth in last week's sessions if you have missed that i recommend going back and listening to that teaching again he's gone in depth with the blood of jesus the altars uh, that he sacrificed that and how that blood now gives us authority and access gives us access and then when you authorize through your prayer you authorize him to speak on your behalf then how he can represent you in god's courts of law so when we say in galatians 313 jesus christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law 
that's what that's the, the in one sentence that's the essence of what brother Savio covered in in that session last week how he redeems you from the curse of the law praise god yes who else would like to share their testimony we can take a couple more before we get into our session Praise the Lord. Praise Thank God. You, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for this day and for all the testimony and brother's summary. I do use um, the teaching and apply it to the people that I meet. I also tell them that uh, word by word, let the Jericho wall break down. And uh, I'm able to talk to um, even people with uh, my boss and everybody. And then I thank the Lord for the, the opportunity to pray over the phone for, for the healing. I thank the Lord for all the blessing and the breath of my life and for the families that I could pray. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glorify you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'd like to thank the Lord as well for all the powerful revelations that he's pouring into this group. And for the fact that people are using what they have learned in, in their personal place of prayer, in their lives, for their family, to minister to others. So we are becoming, each one becomes a minister of the gospel. And that's what Jesus wants each of us to do. To carry that word and change other lives. So I'd like to thank God. Lord, you are faithful. You who promised are faithful. You do not let us down. And just as your word in Joel 2.27 says, when we call on your name, we cannot end up in shame. This is our faith. We hold on to it. And as Apostle James says, we exercise it. When that faith is exercised, it brings us profit. He uses that word profit there. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, who else would like to share their testimony? Anyone would like to share how the those who are attending the rosary prayer group in the evening, how that is being how that is blessing your life? The rosary prayer group is uh, like it's like a globe, like it covers the whole thing. And uh, I am I'm always 
blessed by it. Praise I God. feel like it, it, it feels like a complete uh, circle. And I praise the Lord for that. Praise God. Yes, what that group is doing is what one of our primary purposes in the kingdom is to stand in the gap and intercede for others. To praise God for all the work that is being done there. Thank you, Lord, for your grace upon each of these lives and your spirit that flows through each one in this group and in this house. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else would like to testify? I'd like to go, brother. Yes, go ahead. Um, we want to <clears throat> praise and thank God uh, for the awesome week gone by uh, and what is the coming week and the coming months as well. The morning encounters are so powerful. I wait every morning to join the morning encounters as well as um, the rosary at seven o'clock in the afternoon. Just want to praise and thank God for all what he's giving us. And as Ephesians 3.16 says, he gives us more than we can ask. It's not only in times of uh, joy we we need to give praise and thank even when there are challenges and that's what we are doing this group is there's a lot of learning in the group and um, praise and thank god for this beautiful brisbane family thank you jesus praise you jesus thank you jesus praise lord Yes, is there anyone else who would like to share their testimonies? We can take one more. Yeah, I would like to praise and thank God. Uh, I would like to praise and thank God for the release of Prisant Pereira. Uh, she was caught on a drug case uh, in Dubai. She was innocent. And I'd made an agreement prayer with uh, uh, our brother Vivek. And today... Maybe in a week's time, she will return home. This happened end March, and she will return home tomorrow. I would like to praise and thank God for this wonderful miracle. It was, it was next to impossible when uh, we heard about it. But I believe in the agreement prayer made with Brother Vivek. And today, in a week's time, she'll be back home. Thank you, wow. Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Wow. Praise God. Yeah. It is these kind of testimonies that stir faith and we must hold on to these and remember them. It's that same God that you are praying to when you look at your circumstances and say, Lord, if you did that for them, you made the impossible possible. I know you are the God of impossible and you are standing here in my situation as well. And you back me so I speak and I speak with faith. We have to go with that mindset to challenge every adversary. It doesn't matter if he roams around like a roaring lion. We stand in that faith, unmoved. We don't believe the lie of the enemy. 
to when we look at how Sister Jenny fought there and she shared her testimony today when she fought uh, against the enemy, that was spiritual warfare. Each of us are capable of doing that. The Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit is given to each one. There is no lesser or more. It's up to us on how much we allow him to operate within our circumstances by releasing our faith. So when we hear these kind of stories, it's inspiring. But the important point is to learn our lesson from that. And if it worked for them, then it can work for us. And then we use it. Otherwise, receiving all, Friday after Friday, receiving all the content through Bible study and then just putting it away and not using it at all is not going to change anything in our life. We will remain the same. We were not meant to remain down forever. That is what Jesus said in John 10, 10. I came that you might have life and have it to the full, not have it in limits or have it in limitations. So we have to, we have to take action. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful testimony. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone else who would like to share their testimony? before we get into tonight's Bible study session. Brother Russell, I would like to thank and praise God for this week gone by. I would like to thank God for all the blessings, all the graces, all the favor, and his mercy over me and my family. Uh, I would like to thank the Lord for his protection, hand of protection that is always upon us, on our going out and coming in. I thank the Lord for providing us with all that we need and actually even more than we can even ask or imagine he provides yes. for us. Amen. So I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for the spiritual authority that he gives us so that we can rebuke Satan and all yes. his even plans and all destiny destroyers that are coming towards me and my children. I, yes, Lord, I, I thank the Lord for that. I thank the Lord for all our prayer ministries and our, this wonderful prayer group uh, praying family and for the Divine Mercy and Rosary team and yes, ask the Lord to bless for each, and every, <clears throat> each and every one of them and for all those who join every single day on Zoom and on YouTube I thank the Lord that every day everyone shows up to pray for each other and to pray for the world at large so I thank and praise God for all these opportunities that he gives us to serve him in little ways Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'll just go through some quick announcements. I think there's no one else on the list wanting to speak. So I'll just go through some few quick announcements before we get uh, started with tonight's teaching. Hopefully we will conclude this series here today. So warm welcome once again to everyone, especially those that are new to this prayer group are attending the session for the first time. I shall share the link if you'd like to join the prayer group on Telegram. Just follow that link on whether you are on Zoom or on YouTube, you'll see it in your chat. You would need to download Telegram, uh, the Telegram app from the App Store or the Google Play Store 
and then click this link and that will take you into the group there. You can share your prayer requests with others. You can pray with others. You can read testimonies of what the Lord is doing in people's lives. Essentially, it is that association with believers that will keep your faith up and uplifted as well. And it's really helpful and useful in moments when you feel low. So I'd encourage you to be a part of that prayer group. It's one family where even if they don't know you, you put a request, they will pray with you and for you. You can also subscribe to um, our, you can, sorry, you can also join our sessions. We have our morning encounters every morning, 365 days a year at 7 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. We also have our Divine Mercy and our Rosary Chaplet from Monday to Thursday. It's run at 7 p.m. in the evening. And then on Fridays, it's run at 3 p.m. in the afternoon because we have the Friday Bible study session in the evening starting from 5.30 p.m. onwards. Um, Brother Savio also posts his daily reflections on the Telegram group and all our social media channels. So you can follow those. If that is blessing you, share it with others. Every time you feel a blessing in whatever you are reading and the Holy Spirit stirs something in you, share that with others, especially in particular with the one person that you feel needs to hear that or read it. It could make their day or it could turn their life. It could be the answer to the question that they are asking. All of these sessions are run live on Zoom and YouTube. Uh, the recordings are also stored on YouTube as well as our links are posted on our Facebook page and our um, Spotify podcast page. You can look us up on Spotify by typing in the search Holy Spirit Brisbane Prayer Group. You'll find us there. I'll also share the links to the I Confess boldly. It's available in a few languages. Um, uh, this link, so in case you do not have a copy of that, you can get it here. And then you can use that as part of your daily prayer. Praise God. We shall now get into our session for this evening. Father God, before we start our session, I'd like to give you honor, give you glory, give you thanks, Lord. Surrender ourselves to you, all our faculties we bring under your control, the Holy Spirit. Ask you to take over. Acknowledge your presence in this session, Lord. You teach us something new and powerful here today. You open up our understanding. You pour your wisdom into it. You grant us your revelation, Father. In the name of Jesus, I ask. And I cover and seal every word we speak, every prayer we make this day in the mighty and all-powerful name of Jesus. By his blood, we secure, Lord. We cover and seal everyone that is part of this prayer meeting and every member of every family that is represented here in this house, Lord. By that precious blood. Let that blood speak for each one. When we come under that altar that Jesus set up under the covenant that he made with the Father on our behalf. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We now herald the power in our spoken word. As we proclaim your word, Lord, from Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. It says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish. So that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out of my mouth this day. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So today will be part six on altars and what you need to know about altars. 
Uh, just a quick recap on what Brother Savio covered last week. He covered the courts of heaven, how to operate in the courts, the blood covenant, the power in the blood of Jesus and the significance in the courts of heaven. And that was what Brother Vivek was talking about earlier. And then the seven sacrificed his blood. Now, what that means uh, in terms of destroying the respective altars and he also covered that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from ancestral bloodlines. He made a prayer at the end on how we are connected to a spiritual umbilical cord through our ancestry and we can break those. What are the steps that we take in uprooting evil altars when we step into the courts of heaven? And then um, if you've paid attention to his daily reflections during the week, he has been putting up reflections, uh, including a prayer to break down specific altars every single day, each of these days. So if you have missed those, I'd recommend going back to our group on Telegram and looking at those. And you can pray with those altars. Ideally, save that prayer somewhere so that when you come across it and the Holy Spirit shows you this is what the altar that you are facing is, then you've got that prayer handy and you can make that prayer in the spirit. So today we'll cover the effect of not guarding your altar. Not guarding it and then succumbing to sin and iniquity. It's really a heavy price to pay. We cannot afford to make that mistake. Or we'll take a biblical example of that and then in the second part we'll cover how do we set up our own personal altars of prayer. We'll look at what the biblical recommendation is. We'll use references there. And the first scripture I'd like us to take is from the book of Judges, chapter 16. We'll read from verses 15 to 21. Now, this is going back to the connection with the battle of altars. When two altars battle, one, the stronger altar, will destroy the other one. And will prevail. We saw that last time when we touched on the story. No, it, was, it wasn't last week, it was a week before. In Brother Savio's teaching where he touched on the, the Philistines taking the Ark of the Covenant and placing it in their temple of Dagon and how the statue of Dagon fell down. Two consecutive days, the second day it broke into pieces. Today I'd like to touch on what happens when the outcome is on the other extreme. Now this time... You are fighting an evil altar, but if your altar didn't prevail, or you made a mistake there, then your altar will be broken down. And that's what this passage tells us. So Judges chapter 16, verses 15 to 21. This is where the real action is. This talks about the story of Samson. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazirite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent a word to the rulers of the Philistines. 
Come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called Samson, the Phil then she called Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out of his eyes and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. Amen. Praise God. Now, when you look at this passage here, the key thing to remember is the enemy will always the enemy will always try to cut you off from your strength that you carry with God, the favor that's upon your life, and that's what these altars essentially are about. The key thing, but the main thing there is they will start try to look at what is it that is responsible for your success, and they try to identify ways to stop it. If they can stop it in its tracks before it can get to you, even better. But if they couldn't stop it in its tracks before it got to you, then they will try to look at how they can cut it off. Here I'm also reminded of the story of Balaam. He was a prophet. But the Philistines came to him to ask him to curse the Israelites. And he knew they were covenanted people. So he refused. He knew that he couldn't curse them. Because they came under the covenant with God. The only way that they could be defeated by the Philistines was if they sinned and they broke that covenant. That's where sin and iniquity becomes key in us maintaining what God has covenanted over our lives. If you let out your secret or if you succumb to sin and iniquity, that altar of sin and iniquity becomes authorization to other altars that can now start to plunder in that area of you know, the secret that was available to you, that was the source of your favor or that was the source of the anointing that you carried. But now essentially when we talk about how they attack and destroy your altars, I'd like us to look more closely at verse 20 and 21. So in verse 20, you see there were four things that they did to him. The first thing they did was they cut off his hair. Now, when you look at the verses earlier, he himself said he was a Nazarite and if his hair was cut off, his hair was shaved, then the strength would leave him. He would become powerless from that very moment. So his covenant lied in his hair. Are we revealing the source of our covenant to our enemy knowingly or unknowingly? Many a times we share a lot of information on Facebook. You've seen people talk about them leaving their homes, going on holidays, and then wonder, how come three days later my home got burgled into? That's just a casual example, but when you go more deeper into the spirit, are you revealing something that God has only asked you to keep to yourself? The source of your upliftment. It is important for us many a times to keep our mouths shut. We unsuspectingly tell friends, maybe even tell families about what is happening in our lives. 
and then wonder how things started to go down. And if you only think in the flesh, you will not be able to join those dots at what happened. And it won't suffice to point a finger at them and say, oh, they had an evil eye, so such a thing happened. Sometimes you won't even doubt that. And yet things happen and you wonder, well, what changed? Am I not covenanted this blessing from God? And you start to question God and God says, I didn't do anything. It was you who did. The second thing that they did to him here now, first they cut off, they cut him off from his covenant. The second thing they did to him, they gouged out his eyes. Spiritual discernment comes from your eyes. They put out your spiritual discernment. Luke 11 verse 34 says, the eye is the light of the body. Now that light is your source of wisdom, your revelation, all of it. It all comes through the eye. Through your eye, you can receive from God, but you can also receive from the devil. In this case, they knew because he was covenanted, he was receiving from God. They cut off that spiritual discernment, which means now he couldn't see or tell the difference between good and evil. When your eyes are out, you cannot receive any light from God. So no revelation, no inspiration, no transformation, no revival. You're completely left in the flesh, nothing in the spirit. It is an unfortunate position to be in. And Samson was overconfident. He thought as usual, I'll just pull myself away and go free, break free. That overconfidence again becomes very dangerous. It is, when you look at it more closely, it is a sign of pride. We need to be very careful not to fall into that pride. When you want to step into covenants with God and walk in those covenants and you want that blessing to stay on your life, we must make every effort to preserve the holiness in our life. Stay away from sin as much as we can. And if we do fall, break away from it quickly. That is where that realm of Galatians 2.20 becomes important. And that's why we reflected on it in our morning sessions as well. It was done last week. So if you have not, not last week, the week before. So if you haven't listened to that reflection there, I'd recommend going back. You'll see it in our recordings on YouTube. Moving towards, gravitating towards a life of holiness. Rejecting evil and living by what God's word says, which is not just his word, it is his will. So we conform to his will and that constitutes our obedience. Many of us have intentionally stayed spiritually blind all our lives. And the only thing that God can say in this case is what Hosea 4 verse 6 says, My people suffer from a lack of knowledge. What you don't know will always hurt you. That is why he said, you shall know the truth. And only that truth shall set you free. When you don't know, you are still living in that lack of knowledge. You continue to suffer. Freedom only comes, liberation only comes from knowing the truth and by his spirit. So his word and his spirit. There is no other third opportunity. Everything else is 
eating of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. That comes from the serpent, not from God. God said, stay away from it. Going back to Samson, the third thing that they did to him was they bound him. Binding him with bronze shackles. Spiritually speaking, means tying or limiting the person's ability to fight back. A bound person is stiffened, hands tied by their sides or behind them. They cannot move. It limits their ability to fight back. So no resistance. It limits the ability to pray. I have seen examples in my personal experience where a person's prayer can be blocked from reaching the spiritual realm. Now, that was part of witchcraft. But it is possible to block a person's prayer from reaching the spirit realm. So in short, that realm was made out of bounds for them. Can you imagine what happens when they keep praying? There is no outcome. There is no chance of an outcome because it is not going anywhere. It stays only here on earth. That's a terribly limited position to be in, to be bound, to be limited. When a person says, I'm praying, I'm praying, but where are you, God? And they do not know where the gap is. In this case, Samson was bound. In your personal circumstances where you are under a yoke, we need to examine, are we also bound? And that's primarily one of the things that these altars do. You will see all these three being uh, put into action when certain altars are in operation against a person. And the fourth thing that Samson was made to do was they sent him to grind grain in the prison. That's what your yoke is. You are yoked into slavery, chained into labor, forced into submission, and kept limited so that you cannot escape. People who are in poverty, people who are struggling to pay their bills will testify to this. I keep struggling, keep struggling, keep struggling, but all that I earn is not even enough to pay bills. That's their story. They are sent to grind grain in that prison of poverty. That's the altar of poverty working in their life. For certain others, you feel or you see there are people that will tell you testimonies of they're trying to find a life partner and yet every time something seems to be coming close, there is just some random incident that will happen and people walk away. Yoked, limited, the same outcome keeps happening again and again and again. And that is typically presented in the form of patterns where you see that happening once. After some time, you see the same thing happening again. In some cases, it happens from generation to generation. And that's one of the key ways to identify altars as well. When you want to know if an altar is working, look for those patterns. If there is something repeatedly happening and it's the exact same thing happening, whether it happened to the same person multiple times or whether it happened to generations the grandparent experienced something, the parent experienced something, and then 
the person themselves is also experiencing. The classic example is one case we had actually seen, and I shared this when we did the first part on alters, on how to identify them as patterns, where there was a case of a person where the grandparents ended up in divorce. Their parents ended up in divorce, and this person was also staring at divorce. So it ran through the family. It ran through generations. It was a generational curse, probably familiar spirit that was operating there. But that was that altar that refused to leave, a generational curse that sat on their destiny. And if they didn't correct it there, it would for sure be carried forward to their children. That's where we need to be alarmed now. Is there something that I am knowingly or unknowingly passing on to my children and their children? Is that what we really want for them? That's why this whole study on altars and how to break them. John 10.10 10 is something that we must insist on our lives. and must insist that whatever has been happening stops here and it stops now. It stops with me. The buck does not move forward. And only you can do that with your prayer. Many suffer from this altar of poverty. Actually, let's make a prayer on the altar of poverty. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come by the blood of Jesus, Lord. We humble ourselves in repentance. We agree that we have made mistakes. But now let every altar of poverty over these lives, Lord, be broken now in the name and by the blood of Jesus. The altar of joblessness be broken now by the blood of Jesus. We declare the blood of Jesus is against you. That every such altar operating in the lives of these, your faithful Lord, be crushed by the blood of Jesus. Let every idol that sits upon it be judged. Let every spiritual entity responsible for carrying out the effects, the outcomes of that programming on their lives, let that entity be cursed in the name of Jesus. Be bound under the authority of the name of Jesus and be uprooted and cast out now. Every such altar be crushed and cast out now from their lives, uprooted completely out of their destinies in the name of Jesus. I connect their destiny, Lord, to your throne of grace. To your throne of grace so that the fire on this altar comes out of the river of fire that flows from your throne. And out of your mercy, Lord, as the hair on Samson's head grew back, let your covenants be renewed with these, your people, Lord. By the key of David, let every shut door over their destiny be opened. Every door that refuses to open, let it be broken down now in the name of Jesus, so that it can never be shut anymore. Lift up your gates. And be lifted up for the king of glory has come. And I walk with him. And each of these walk with him. And we walk through. By the power of prophecy, let there be a fresh release of opportunities in the spirit to each of these, Lord. Let their destiny help us be activated now in the name of Jesus. So that where men say there is a casting down, we decree and declare there is a lifting up and that lifting up is taking place right now. 
command these destiny helpers to come to these, the appointed of God. Your captivity must turn today. And as Psalm 126 says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. And then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. Amen, Lord. Let it be so. Let it be so. In your name and for your glory. We need to be careful to not let our altars go down in this way. We need to we need to ensure and protect our altars, guarding your altar against sin and iniquity. And now going to the next part of this session, which is building up your altar. So first, I'd like to take some instances or examples from the Bible. The first one is from Exodus chapter 34, verses 9 to 14. Now, this is Moses raising an altar. What I'd like you to observe closely is look at the patterns in there. That is the pattern we will use. Lord, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a, this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Then the Lord said, I'm making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Obey what I command you today. I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you are going, or they will be a snare among you. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. Amen. Do not worship any other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous god. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now let's look closely at this. When you look at verse 9, it says Moses repented for the territory. That's the first thing, first step. Then in verse 10, the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. So you renew your covenant if you had one and it was broken, just like it happened to Samson there. We renew our covenant. So first step, repentance. Second step, renewing that covenant. Third one, verse 11. Look at those names of the different people as different altars. I'd like you to look at those as different altars, different spirits or demonic spirits, spirits of wickedness. Maybe even when you go even further, you'll see that there are principalities that are hovering over your destiny, over your life. These could be representatives of those. He says, I will drive out all these. 
But verse 12 then becomes important. For him to drive those out, we have to be careful not to make any covenants, treaties or agreements with the devil, with these demons. No kind of truce with them. Essentially, in short, you will not give them any permission to manipulate or do anything in your life, to even have access to your life. You will not bow down to Satan out of frustration or out of lost hope. Your covenant with them means you give them permission to act freely. Then you have no control, but they have all the control that they want. And even God can't do anything in that because it, his system works all on legality, on permission. Whoever has access, has permission, can do what they want. That's why prayer becomes important because prayer is also permission. Without permission, God himself also cannot move. And these that are given permission, if you make that treaty with them, they are given permission, they can drag you down. That's why we stressed, stressed earlier during the discussion on Samson, we stressed so much on sin and iniquity and living a life of holiness and why that is important. So that you do not give them any permission. If you've got that hedge of protection up around you, your sin can drag it down. Satan doesn't need to bulldoze it. All he needs to do is to get you to sin. And that's what, just going back to what we talked about Balaam as well. That's the same tactic he used as well. He said, get the Israelites to sin in some way against God. All their defenses will fall down and break down. That spiritual protection will break down. Then you Philistines can go and attack them and they will be defeated. This is why living that life of holiness is so important. If you are to maintain strength, your position of fortification against the enemy. Now what's next? See verse 13. He says, destroy all the existing altars that you may have. This is where you make your prayer to tear down all those altars. You cancel every permission. Like Brother Savior taught last week, you, you call on the blood of Jesus. You wash out all your sin and iniquity. And then at the same time, you command, you declare, you break down those altars, you smash their sacred stones, you cut down all their Asherah poles. Everything that was giving them access and was the source of their strength, you cut it down. You shut the door on them so that they do not have any spiritual access anymore. And then the last part, like we discussed again, going back to that life of holiness is, says, do not worship, verse 14, do not worship any other God, but only the Lord, for he is a jealous God. And when he is a jealous God, he protects his own. The Bible says he is faithful. So he will protect his own. When Jesus is called the bridegroom, what would he do to anyone that looks with an evil eye at his bride? That is the faith we need to live with. So this is one prototype of the altar. Let's look at another one. This time I want to look at how a covenant made with God can protect a nation. But you will see the same pattern of waters like we've discussed now each of these verses. 
And the important thing that I want to highlight, this is from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7. You can probably, okay, we can probably start reading from verse 3. Before that, just to give you a little background, before this in 1 Samuel chapter 4 was when the Philistines uh, overcame the Israelites and they took the ark back to their temple and then their God was defeated and they decided that this ark is a nuisance to us, so let us just hand it over back to the Israelites. So here the ark was now at Kiryat Jerim and the Israelites were still afraid, though, because the, the Philistines could come back and attack them once again. So they called on Samuel to say, pray for us. I would like us to read from verse 3 up until uh, verse 14. So Samuel said to all the Israelites, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods, the Ashtoreth, and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their Baals and Ashtoreth and served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. When they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day, they fasted and they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. Now Samuel was serving as a leader of Israel and Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came, back, came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursue, pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they stopped invading Israel's territory. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. The towns from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored to Israel, and Israel delivered the neighboring territory from the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel continued as Israel's leader all the days of his life. You can be the leader of your family's destiny. So that as long as you are standing, just like it said there about Samuel. 
this passage is important. I'd like each of us to go back again separately and reflect on it. This time, reflect on it from the point of view of instead of the Israelites, put your family there. And instead of Samuel, you put yourself. Can you be the prophet of your family and set up your Ebenezer to say, my help has come? So that all the days of your life, based on the altar that you are raising there, no enemy can stand against your family. That's where the application of these kind of passages becomes important. But let's get back into the pattern now to look at how he raised his altar here, the Ebenezer. Verse 3 to 5 tells you about the Israelites repenting. And they put away their asteroids, their foreign gods. They, they broke away from all the covenants that they had with them. We saw that in the case of Moses' well, repentance and then breaking away from all those covenants. They put away all their idols. Then verse 9 says, Samuel offered a sacrifice. A suckling lamb. And it was burnt whole. Sacrifice is key when you're setting up an altar. When we will go to the next part, which actually details how to build those altars, that's where we will see the part or the role that that sacrifice plays. Now, verse 10 is interesting here. He says, while you are praying at the altar, the enemy, enemy's advances may continue. Poverty may persist, may even become, they might tighten the screws there and make it even more difficult. Joblessness may persist. All other challenges that people are facing in their lives that they are actually praying against, you will find that it is intensifying. It is not getting any lesser. But it is important at this stage that you do not give up and you do not stop. You continue and complete it. You do not leave it unfinished. Remember, it is battle of altars. An unfinished altar will not stand. It is only finished when the fire of God comes down on it. And this will be times when the enemy is within striking distance. That's what you're seeing in that passage there. Now, the Lord thundering there is something that will happen in the spirit. You may not necessarily see it in the flesh. It will happen in the spirit and they are thrown into a panic, which even they don't know why something happened. So you find that something was coming and then it just took a sudden diversion and it moved around. You may not necessarily notice that diversion as well. And it's almost when things look like they're about to fail, that's when God steps in. I guess that is his style. I have seen it so many times through experience. Why does he do it? He lets us exhaust our skills, all our tricks, all our capabilities until we are spent and until we reach the point and say, God, now let it be all of you and nothing of me. He wants you to surrender completely. When there is still a bit of that resistance, it is still a small amount of pride that you are exercising there to say, I will do it my way. And all that he's saying is, if you are going to let me do it, let me do it my way completely. Don't try to interfere or don't try to dictate. Don't try to redirect. Many times we tell him, Lord, I want you to do this. Here's my prayer, but I want you to do it in this way. We try to limit him and he says, that's not how it works. We need to reflect on our prayer as well sometimes. 
we need to give him flexibility knowing that his ways are much higher than our ways. Why would I limit him to one way if he can use the multitude of ways or options that are available to him? I like the way one preacher puts it where he says, we often pray to God saying, God, use my uncle or use my friend to bless me. And he says, why would you limit your God to that one uncle when there are 7 billion people at his disposal? If he can call on any of those and make them destiny helpers, why would you make your prayer to limit him? But it is in that state of complete surrender when we cry. That cry of faith is then what moves him and he moves. And then we see verse 10 and 11 talks about how the enemy was destroyed. It says it threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. Did the Israelites do anything there? No. Did they lift a sword? No. But the enemy was routed. Then all they had to do was pursue the enemy that was already afraid and go and slaughter them. You see the same thing that happened even in Jericho. The walls fell down without them using cannons, without them using bulldozers, without them using anything in the physical to destroy it. And that's what we need to probably learn from. That's the power of your altar that you are raising. It happens in the spirit. You don't see it physically. You can't perceive it with your senses. But that's the spiritual intelligence that we use. An important development here that I want you to pay attention to is in verse 12. That's what we were talking about, the Ebenezer. Samuel took a stone and set it up. A memorance. He set up a memorial. A memorial of that covenant, a memorial of the altar. He called it Ebenezer, the Lord has helped us. And when you read further in the next two, three verses, you see that all the days of his life, that became like a boundary line. They were subdued. See verse 13, the Philistines were subdued and they stopped invading the territory. To the untrained eye or to the fleshly eye, People will probably laugh and say, you must be joking. You think just placing one stone there stops the Philistines from crossing that line? Look again. There's more than what meets the eye. Can you set that memorial stone in place there and say, poverty, thus far will you come no more? Every other altar that is fighting your life, your destiny, you put your stone there, you draw the line and you say, thus far have you come no more. I cut my spiritual umbilical cord. No altars from my ancestry can come. Thus far you have come. It stops with me. It stops here. It doesn't go any more further. I hope that is, that is a, a big lesson that we are taking home. And we start using it in our personal place of prayer. And then when you read verse 13 and 14, you see now the outcomes of placing that covenant and that memorial there. 
One, the attacks stopped. Number two, as long as Samuel lived, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. See the end of verse 13. As long as Samuel lived, when you are raising your memorial stone and God honors it, as long as you stand in the middle there, you become that defense line. The altar that you raise, the, the Ebenezer that you placed there becomes the line of defense without you lifting a sword. And then the third thing that we see here in verse 14, all their lost territory was restored. More importantly, peace with their neighbors was restored. Everything that they lost. Let everything that you have lost be returned unto you. When the thief is caught, he must repay seven times. Let that repayment be made now in the name of Jesus to everyone that has had something stolen from them. Father, I ask for that grace upon each of these lives. Let that altar that is being judged now pay back all that was taken away from them. In the name of Jesus. Now with these two examples you've seen, there is a bit of a pattern there in how they've set up their altars. Moses did it. Samuel did it. Now let's look at Elijah's altars. Brother Samuel lightly touched upon this earlier. So this is 1 Kings chapter 18. It's a bit of a long passage for context, but then we'll dissect it and we'll break down the part that talks about altars. So for background, it starts from verse 16. Now this talks about we will read from verse 16 to verse 39. This talks about Elijah challenging the prophets of Baal. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, 
choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Amen. Amen. Elijah earned an interesting name from Ahab. He called him Troublemaker. Which is funny. But then he set up a fair challenge with the prophets of Baal and he said, let's both set up altars and whoever's God answers them by sending down fire, that God is God. And when you look closely there at one of the places he said uh, in verse 21, how long will you waver between two opinions? And many people, in fact, many Christians as well, even today, are hanging or lurking in that doubt. You ask them, do you have faith? They say, yes, I have faith. I am a Christian. But it's still wavering between do you believe something will happen? Half of them will say, probably most of them will say, yeah, let's see. We'll find out rather than where's your confidence. And Brother Vivek just touched on Hebrews 11 verse 6. Do you think that approach then would get an answer when you look at it in the light of Hebrews 11 verse 6? You can't be wavering. You can't have two opinions. You can't have a yes, no, maybe. God wants you to be all in, not 99%. That's contaminated faith. It does not work. 
We saw that in the case of Peter walking on the water as well when Jesus called him to him from the boat. He started off in faith and then began to waver. The minute you have two opinions, you will sink. Now let's get down to looking at the altars. Let's go to verse 30. Now the, the altar that Elijah set up. Interestingly, when you look at uh, before that, the, the prophets of Baal even got down to cutting themselves with spears, with swords. That might look familiar to some where you see some religions to that. But the important thing is those are potentially systems that work in the spirit realm where it could appease their gods. And the prophets of Baal tried it there. Where when they release blood, it appeases their gods. And you can see they've been doing that calling, shouting, now even cutting themselves because it was midday and nothing was happening. They're frantically prophesying. Look at next one, verse 29. So from morning until the evening, they kept calling on. I could just imagine Elijah saying, call louder, your God is probably sleeping. Look at verse 27. Shout louder. Surely he is a God. Morning to evening. And now at evening, let's look closely from verse 30 onwards. Now this is how Elijah set up his altar. And you can use the same when you're setting up your altar. The first thing he said was, come to me here. He called all the people close to him. That's what Jesus said as well. I came to call sinners back to me. So the first thing is turning back to him. And then it says, he repaired the altar. So your first assignment in tearing down these wicked altars is to rebuild an altar over your family. Rebuild an altar over yourself, if whatever you are praying for. You rebuild it by understanding using a spiritual approach. Remember what we saw in 1 Samuel verse 5. These altars fight each other and one stands. Now in case yours was the one where you are suffering, which means your altar was destroyed or never really erected, then you need to rebuild your altar. In the case of Samuel, he would have to wait Till his hair grew back. Till the covenant was restored. So if your altar failed due to sin and iniquity. It has been destroyed by the enemy. In order to keep you prayerless. To keep you powerless. Then your first step is rebuild your altar. Turn back. Renounce sin. Repent. That's how you do it. We need to return to God. We need to return to God, acknowledging that things are in ruins. We approach him in brokenness. Two verses that come to mind here are Psalm 51 verse 17 that says, A humble and a contrite heart he will not despise. In fact, Psalm 51 is real powerful. That's David repenting and coming back to God. It's his lamentation there. 
But when we are to approach God, we must approach in brokenness. That surrender is important. We've just discussed that earlier as well. Your altar is in ruins. You come to him in that brokenness. And then the other verse is Psalm 34, verse 18. So if Sister Jane's putting scriptures up there, that is Psalm 51, verse 17. And the next one is Psalm 34, verse 18, which says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit, contrite in heart, those that are truly sorry for their sin. Repentance is not just about saying sorry, but it is about turning away from those mistakes that we made to say, Lord, I commit not to go back to them. That's when your repentance becomes complete. Otherwise, it's only half done. We need to repent not only for our sins, but the sins of our ancestors. Remember, you're praying against altars that could be generational as well ancestral altars. So you repent for not only your sins, but that of your ancestors as well. You stand to repent on behalf of your family, on behalf of your bloodline. And you say, Father, I acknowledge the sins that I and my ancestors have committed. More importantly, I dissociate myself from that ancestral sin. I dissociate myself from my sin and my ancestral sin, and I repent for them. This is not about you repenting for your ancestors on behalf of them. This is you repenting so that whatever was carried forward from them to you will now be cut off. Because that sin still sits on your head through that ancestry, the bloodline it has passed through. You are cutting out off from your head. You say, I cut myself off from those covenants that my ancestors may have made with someone. And I commit not to go back to them. That's what truly you're breaking or cutting off the spiritual umbilical cord that Brother Savio talked about last Friday is about. You cutting off and dissociating yourself from that sin. That's the first step in rebuilding or repairing our altar. We can only repair it through repentance. So when you are going to build your altar, you take these scriptures there, you will pray at this stage in repentance. The first step, you stand to repent. Wash yourself, cover yourself in the blood of Jesus. You repent. Say, Lord, I ask that my sins be washed away. And then the second step you see in verse 31 now. It talks about Elijah taking 12 stones. That signifies or represents the 12 tribes or the descendants of Jacob. Now, whenever that 12 tribes of Jacob comes in, the important thing for you to look at is it represents covenant people. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob is a God of covenants. They are covenant people. So what was Elijah doing here? He was invoking the covenants that were sitting or that God committed to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and through Jacob, to all the generations, to all the tribes. He was calling on those covenants. What you are also doing here is you invoke the covenants that you can call on. Now, the big one here for us is the new and eternal 
covenant that supersedes all other covenants that God made with his people. We have done sessions on uh, God's covenants with his people. We have done this Bible study session earlier. You can go back to that session and listen to it. But the main thing here for us is you call on the blood covenant. When you are washed clean in that blood, that's when he deems you as righteous. He clothes you with the robe of righteousness. And he makes you a co-heir with Jesus. Without those covenants, you're on your own. Are you seeing the significance now of your personal covenants with God here? This is where your Ebenezer comes in. Your Ebenezer can safeguard your family. But it is also important to look at the spiritual tribes that you come under. Because then you come under their covenants as well. Are you seeing that's exactly what Elijah did? He said, I come under the covenants of whatever God has covenanted to Jacob and to the 12 tribes through him. And that's how he was rebuilding his altar. You rebuild it on the strength of the covenants that you have. Now, if you are part of a spiritual tribe, in our case, we are part of different prayer groups, part of churches. We are part of Jesus' tribe through his blood. But if you are part of a prayer group and there are certain covenants that God may have made with leaders in that prayer group, just by virtue of you being part of that prayer group or that church, you can come under those covenants. That protection automatically gets extended to you. It's just like you coming under the blood of Jesus. That umbrella automatically covers you. Whatever Jesus covenanted with God, he says, atonement for their sins, they are washed clean. I stand in that gap for them. That's how those covenants come and cover you and that's how they work. If you do not know what covenants you could come under, you are left unprotected. We must understand that's that was the whole essence of us taking that Bible study session on covenants. Because you enforce them, you call them by being part of them. We can then use the Abrahamic covenants. We can use all other covenants of faith. So when God said, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, that's where people like Balaam get afraid. Said, these are covenant people. We can't touch them. Covenants play a very important part in spiritual warfare. Because that then invokes God to do certain things in order to honor his covenant. He has to stand on your behalf. That's what David was forced to do when he spared Mephibosheth, who was part of Saul's family. The only reason that he spared him was because of the covenant that David had with Jonathan. God will only grant you mercy as well because of the covenant of atonement that he made with the blood of Jesus. In Daniel chapter 6, you see Daniel opened his window and prayed towards Jerusalem. What was he enacting? He was enacting uh, or invoking the covenant that Solomon made 
going back to 1 Kings chapter 8. You can read it in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 28 to 30, where Solomon offered his thousand burnt offerings. And then he said, anyone that prays towards Jerusalem, God, hear them and answer them. Daniel took that covenant that Saul, or that King Solomon made and he opened his windows and prayed towards Jerusalem. That's spiritual intelligence and that's what we need to be using. When we are aware, only then can we use it. In Luke chapter 13, you see from verse 10 to 17, Jesus healed the woman that was bent over for 18 years. What did he say? He called her a daughter of Abraham. He invoked that covenant that God made with Abraham for his descendants. So he called her a descendant of Abraham and hence automatically an heir to those covenants. He said she must be set free. You have to look closely at what covenants you will call on when you raise up your altar. And if you can't remember any else, the biggest one, the, the only one that will actually suffice as well is the blood of Jesus. You must call on that covenant. And then the third thing is you make a commitment to live by God's will and word. We saw that in the last two cases, in the case of um, Moses's uh, altar, the altar that Moses raised. We saw that in the case of the altar that Samuel raised as well. It is important for us to dissociate from everything that is of wickedness, from every other covenant with evil ones, from uh, sin and iniquity, and move towards the life of holiness so that we do not authorize the altar of sin and iniquity to take charge or have access in our lives. You make a commitment to live by God's will and word, to align with him. That is key to keeping him on your side. And when he is on your side, in Romans 8, verse, I think it's 31 or 37, if God is for us, who can be against us? You want him to be on your side. The only way you can keep him on your side is when you do not turn towards sin and iniquity. You incline towards a life of holiness. We remain connected with him. We go deeper into the spirit with the Lord. And then the next bit, the fourth step here now, is what you see in verse 32, 33. You see him offering sacrifices there. Now the first sacrifice that Elijah placed on was the sacrifice of the bull that he cut into pieces and he laid it on the wood. That sacrifice there in this case represents you yourself. You are not going to offer an animal sacrifice. This is you yourself. And Romans 12 verse 1 says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So you will lay your own life on that altar. And the commitment there is that you will live your life for God's purposes. The second sacrifice that you will offer is your sacrifice of praise and worship. Can we for a second, sister, go to Romans 12 verse 1? 
and then we can just click the back arrow on the browser and come back here because that tells you what that sacrifice of yourself is romans 12 verse 1 therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is your true and proper worship do you see the three things that are involved in that sacrifice yourself you place on the line to live according to god's purposes your sacrifice of your praise and worship and then the third thing will be the sacrifice of your seed when we go back to that scripture so you can just click the back arrow and we go back to where we were now what what does this sacrifice really mean a sacrifice means it is proof that you love god it is proof that you trust him that's why you're placing your life on that line and the third thing is sacrifices are a spiritual ordinance that is mandated by god for that when we go back to the book of leviticus we see those in all the Leviticus chapters, talks about different sacrifices. So it's a spiritual ordinance that is mandated by the wisdom of God. We touched on those, I think it was in the first part of altars. Now let me give you a mystery about repairing your broken altars. And here, sister, can you highlight verse 38? When he set it up, he offered the sacrifice, put everything in place there, poured the waters. And when he called on God's name, he said, answer me. Then fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice and everything around it as well. Now, one key revelation that I received here was you yourself can be that altar. It doesn't need to be a physical thing as a pile of stones set up or a place. The bigger revelation was every born-again Christian alive in the spirit is a reignited, repaired altar. Let's go back to what happened when you got born again. You were only born again when you repented for your sin and you pleaded for God's mercy. Everyone that calls on the name, believe in their heart, confess with their mouth, come under his lordship. He gave the gift of his Holy Spirit. That's what the fire of the Lord falling and burning up the sacrifice of your repentance was. So if you look at the symbol, uh, the spirit as symbol of fire, then God's presence in the form of that fire coming down on your sacrifice that the person you that you are making, that is, you are offering your own sins there. That fire burnt out everything, and that's how you became a new creation. It consumed everything. Look at that verse 38 again. You become a living altar now that has the fire of God burning upon you consistently. When you are that living altar. And you now know it. How powerful can your prayer life now be? That's what I want you to think. Now think of yourself as I am that Ebenezer that stands for my family. 
As long as Samuel lived all the days of his life, the Philistines never came near the Israelites. As long as you are there, you are that altar that stands in between. What did Jesus do? He himself, got, the Bible says, he is our mediator, our high priest. He stands as that altar for atonement in between us and God. When the accuser points a finger and says, sin, there is sin in this person. And you call on the blood of Jesus. So you can be that altar. And if you decide to live your life for, God's, for God observing his ways, then the more you stay with him, the more you stay close to his spirit, the more you abide in him, as he would say, abide in me and my word abides in you, then rivers of living water will flow out of you. The more power you receive. This is how men and women of God are made. They become living altars. That's what you are called to do. Now look at Acts 1 verse 8. Just a second, we go to Acts 1 verse 8. I hope you're understanding about altars so far. These are deeper mysteries that we need to meditate on and look at, okay, how do I apply this now in my life? You saw that verse 38 there earlier, fire from heaven fell down. Now look at what that fire does here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the key there is when that fire from heaven falls on your altar, you will receive power. Until you receive that power, you do not move. You keep sticking there, staying with him. Now look at verse, sorry, uh, Mark, verse, Mark chapter 16, verse 17. He says, you will be my witnesses. Let's look at what that really means. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak new, new tongues. They and then verse 18 covers the rest, yes. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. That is what your altar is really capable of doing. Are you seeing what you are sitting on and it is remaining dormant within you? And God is saying, I want you to activate it. Repair your altar. Rebuild it. Let's ignite it. But this is what you are capable of. This is what he would want each of us to do for the kingdom. So you can be that Ebenezer for your family but you can be that Ebenezer for an extended family, for all those that he sent you to. When you bear witness to your friends, your family, people you meet at the supermarket, people you meet in church, anyone in general that needs help and you extend yourself. 
to offer that help. This is what you are capable of doing when that fire of the Holy Ghost comes on your altar. All we need to do is contend for that fire, rebuild our altar and say, Lord, just like Jacob said, I will not leave you. He kept wrestling with God. He said, I will not leave you until you bless me. That is what, how we need to be contending. And it may happen that he would break our thigh bone, he would break our pride. But that is only for our good so that he says, now you are empty, now let me fill you, now let me ignite that fire in you. He said, no longer will you be called Jacob, you will now be called Israel because you are now a prince and like a prince you have prevailed. We need to be contending for that power until that day comes. And there would be tests along the way. And that's what our next topic is going to be from next week. But we need to hold on, stick to him, set up our altars, and then insist on a performance of the covenants that we make with him and the other covenants that we come under. You can make your personal covenants with him as well when you are setting up your altar. And when he agrees to that personal covenant, then every single instance that that covenant needs to be used, he will honor it. That's the kind of power with him that we need to contend for. So just to summarize now, before we conclude our summarize, few points on altars, few things to remember, and we'll then close there. So there are about 12 points. The first one is, all altars, so this is summarizing all the six sessions now, all altars are erected and consecrated for the purpose of worshipping a particular deity or a god. All altars are erected and consecrated by a human attendee or a caretaker who is devoted to that god being worshipped on that altar. Altars are not erected by spirits, they are erected by humans. So when you pray to break down altars, you have to pray to bind the priest that prays at that altar as well. If there is a, a priest of witchcraft praying at some altar, he can re-erect re it again. He can rebuild it from its ruins. You bind their capacity to remember that. Number three, all altars are erected and consecrated on land. And as such, they have a direct spiritual impact on the earth near that altar. Many times they are like portals. Those portals remain active. That's the kind of portal that Jacob observed at an altar that uh, at, at Bethel that Abraham had set up. So they have a direct spiritual impact on the earth near them because or by virtue of that portal that was created there. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a place. Like I said, altar can be a person as well. All, number four, all altars are fueled and energized by sacrifice, whether they are evil altars or whether they are altars of prayer set up as well. It is fueled and energized by your sacrifice. We just saw that in the case of Elijah. We saw that in the case of Samuel who offered a suckling. In our case, when we're offering our spiritual or setting up our spiritual altar, it is the sacrifice of yourself. Romans 12 verse 1, offering your body as a living sacrifice. Meaning you commit to live the rest of your life in obedience to God. You submit and surrender it to him completely. 
So they're fueled by sacrifice, especially the shedding of blood, because that's how covenants work. Number five, the attendee or the caretaker at any of these altars shares in the supernatural power of the deity that he or she worships. That's where you share in that power that God assigns to you, the supernatural power, when he honors your altar with that fire from heaven. But the same is true also for the wicked ones. They have their supernatural powers and that's how people operate in black magic. And they are known as sadhus, they are known as you know, whatever kind of people that indulge in all of those activities. Number six, in the battle of altars, the one with the stronger altar always wins the day. Very important. You have to ensure that your altar stays strong. Do not give in to sin and iniquity. It's a tough ask, but given that our life is not just spiritual, it's in the flesh, but we have to fight to go more into spiritual, to, to walk in the spirit, like the Bible says, and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's why the word of God feeding us every day becomes important. Number seven, this is an important one. The power of an altar is directly connected to the level of devotion of the caretaker of that altar. If you want to grow in your power with the Holy Spirit, your devotion, dedication, connection, abiding with him has to grow constantly. Your spiritual growth must continue and never stop. Something worth thinking about if you are really serious into going down that line. Number eight, every altar, whether holy or sinful, has a supernatural supervising spirit. A holy altar, in that case, it's the Holy Spirit. In the evil altar, it is the demonic spirit. Number nine, what the attendee or caretaker gets is a relationship and the power of the supervising spirit over the altar. So you get a relationship with the, with the God and the God over that altar, whether it's the Holy Spirit or it's demonic, and you share in their power. Number 10, when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, they changed altars and they became attendees at a demonic altar. And that altar was passed on to Cain. When we rebel against God, we need to be careful as well about rebelling or acting in pride. That's what we are doing as well. We are changing altars and becoming attendees at the altar of sin and iniquity. You see how quickly things can switch and turn around? What was looking like favor suddenly starts to fade away and you wonder what happened. Why did my blessings dry up? Number 11, whoever controls the altar on the ground controls the land and whoever controls the land controls the people on the land. That's why ancestral altars critical because it affects the whole family, controls the people that are part of it. In some instances, people use, you see tribal black magic, they conjure certain kinds of altars that 
actually take over the entire land. So you see that people in a particular land would be limited. Anyone that enters that space as well would be limited because they come under those altars or whatever the directive or the programming of that altar is. We, I think we touched on that even in part one, I think most likely, or part two of this series. And then the last one is how your needs are met depends on the power of the altar that you attend. What power that altar carries decides how your needs will be met. And that again is based on covenants. Your personal covenants, your the covenants of your spiritual tribe that you come under, and then whatever biblical covenants are committed to us when we come under the spiritual DNA through faith of the spiritual DNA of Abraham, or through our faith, uh, we come under the blood covenant of Jesus. So this, in short, is what altars are all about. I hope this series has benefited you. It has been an eye-opener. There's a lot of things that you have learned. Hopefully, you take away from it. You can go back and listen to the entire series again. Make your notes. Pull out the things that resonate with what your current situation is. If it helps you identify any areas that you need to work on, any, any altars that you need to pray against, you start by working on those areas. You look at today's session again work on building your own personal altar, your Ebenezer over your family. And you must contend for breakthroughs in your life. Refuse to be manhandled by any evil altars. We have to reject it, refuse it. We must be discerning for that. We must think spiritually, not in the flesh. You rise above the flesh, you think spiritual. Don't look at uh, manifestations and then judge them by what you see physically. Remember, everything physical has its source in the spiritual. This is who you are. You are spirit that lives in a body. So don't limit yourself to the body and looking at the fleshly side of it. And then when you know that, and John 10.10 10 is what comes to mind, you start working on it. We, we use spiritual intelligence based on what we've learned and we apply it through faith. That's when that whole concept of John 10, 10 starts coming to fruition. And that's what God really has in plan for us. That's what he assigned to us in his blessing on the first instance in Genesis 1 verse 28. This is our journey going back to that blessing, coming back into Eden where everything is perfect. With that, I'll end today's session. I hope it has blessed you. If it has blessed you, give it as a gift to others. Share the prayer group with others as well and invite them to share their prayer requests. Join this family and let them be blessed by the blessings of the Holy Spirit that is upon this family as well. So thank you, everyone, and have a good night. Be blessed and stay blessed. Thank you, Brother Russell.